Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about the latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around, 101 Stories of Miracles, Divine Intervention, and Answered Prayers. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. I'm really excited about our new book. Today is the day that Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around, goes on sale. So it's a big day for us. Fantastic. It's wonderful to have you on the air with me. And by the way, happy August. I know it's the last week, but guess what? we got to kick it in (laughs) one last time for summer. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm keeping my pool open through September. I mean, I'm not giving up on summer till the end of September. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around is a very comforting read, though. It's fantastic. I love the uh, the the, the uh, stories in it, and it's somehow, it's so, I, I feel like it's so embracing. It's so, so comforting when I read the stories, and and I'm so glad that, uh, I mean, it's released today, so congratulations on that. Well, thanks. I I love making these books about all of these miracles and mm-hmm. cases of what seems like divine intervention and amazing coincidences and you know, strangers appearing out of nowhere and helping out. And it's just, it it really gives readers hope that Mm -hmm, good mm -hmm. things do happen and that if you keep your eyes open, you really will see miracles occurring all around you. And, you know, when we talk about angels in the title, Angels All Around, Mm -hmm. we're not talking about angels with wings, you know, like, the classic angels you'd think of in a renaissance painting or something we're just talking about people doing good things for you who just basically mm-hmm. like miraculously appear and then you turn around to thank them and they're not there anymore and then in our book we don't just have those angel appearances but we have all of these really interesting miracles that occur and coincidences that are just so uncanny that you just can't explain them and all just all kinds of unexplainable good things that happen to people and so what I hear from readers of our past books about angels Mm -hmm. and miracles is that these books remind them that life is good and no matter what they're going through there are people out there who care about them that really fabulous coincidences and miracles can occur for them, fabulous synchronicities. And so it really gives people hope and comfort and faith, and it makes them happy because they see good things happening to all these people who have written stories for us, and they realize, wow, these things can happen for me and for the people I care about as well. Right, that's true. By the way, how popular is Chicken Soup for the Soul books about angels and miracles? Oh my gosh, they're so popular. So we try to do one or two books each year 
mm-hmm. that are about angels or miracles or dreams and premonitions that, you know, miraculously come true or about messages from heaven. We, we find that we get amazing stories. We love making the books. We, we get, we get such a thrill out of reading the stories that are submitted and putting mm-hmm. together the books. And when we look at our sales in the stores, I would I think that it's just about our most popular topic. I would say wow. this, this kind of book and then our Christmas books are our most popular. Very, very interesting. Can you tell us how many stories were submitted for Angels All Around? Oh, I don't know the exact number, but I know it was several thousand because this is always a topic yeah. that people want to write about. So many people want to report on their experiences. And so... It's, you know, it's a double-edged sword for me because, first of all, I, I put together a huge team of editors to read thousands of stories submitted. It so that's very time-consuming for us, and then they'll give me, you know, the few hundred semifinalists basically, and then mm-hmm. I'll go through those and get it down to the 101 that we're actually going to publish. And so I love reading the hundreds of semifinalists that I'm given but then as I'm you know picking the 101 I feel bad about the ones I'm not picking because sometimes you know the one I picked is very similar to one I didn't pick but you can't have two on the exact same topic so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like being I guess a college admissions counselor (laughs) you know you you get a great class but then you know I could have thrown these out and gotten the next 101 and had a great book too you know I I feel bad. I hope that people will never take it personally and will just keep submitting their stories because often it really is that, oh, we just picked a top. We picked a, a story on mm-hmm. that exact topic. We can't have two on the exact same right, topic. Right, right, right. So true. How does Chicken Soup authenticate the various stories? Well, people are basically honest. What happens, mm-hmm. though, is you know, very, very rarely – somebody will just make something up and (laughs) we're pretty good about looking for discrepancies in their stories. Like somebody's name changed halfway through the story or the timing wasn't correct, or there's just something about it that strikes us as very strange. Or sometimes it's something as odd as they say they were on, you know, a nonstop flight from, Los Angeles to St. Thomas, Mm -hmm. and we know there are no nonstop flights from Los Angeles to St. Thomas. You know, it's Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. like that. And so, but usually what happens in our authentication process is we're not uncovering somebody who's deliberately submitted a false story. Usually it's more that people's memories are not that accurate and we'll, you know, get back to them and say, you just said you left your cell phone at home and then you said you called your husband from your car on the way home so where was your cell phone and then she would realize oh yeah I did leave my cell phone at home now I remember when I got home Mm -hmm. I immediately called my husband to tell him about what happened you know so things like that or we say gee based on your story you would have been driving a car at age 12 there's no state (laughs) in the nation where you could drive younger than age 15 so what's up and then they'll say oh I got all my years wrong you know so it's yeah, more stuff yeah. like that, that that comes up when we authenticate the stories. Fantastic. That sounds wonderful. I imagine that would be the challenge because in the sense that it's one of those 
things where people are telling you their very intimate moment when you talk about the experience that they have with sort of whether it's a true angelic being or someone that is so, you know, someone that contributed to their very being in, in situations like a stranger coming up and, and offering them, uh, you know, a, a helping hand. Yeah. I mean, I, we, you could, you know, somebody could just be skeptical and say, well, those things mm-hmm. didn't really happen, but they really did happen. And, and really what is subject to interpretation is, was it just that a stranger came and helped you? And then you thought you turned around immediately to thank the person and the person right. was gone, but maybe you, maybe it was 30 seconds before you turned around. You know, it's, it's more right. like right. that's how you could doubt somebody. But I think in general, when you read the stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around, you'll realize, oh yeah, these things really happened. And if you <laughs> don't, if you don't believe that there was an angel, then you will just believe like there are some really nice people out there who help people That's out correct. and don't hang That's around correct. to be thanked. So, whatever your belief system, you walk away from reading these stories feeling like, wow, great things happen to people. Amazing coincidences help people. People find somebody they've lost after two decades. People get help when they desperately need it. And isn't that wonderful? It just makes you feel good that there is so much potential out there for kindness and for serendipity to occur in all our lives. I'm so glad you brought that up. And you're right, because if we're reading the book, just thinking about, oh, well, I can't wait for an angel to fly into my life. uh, It doesn't work that way. And it's more about us being present in the present moment and that sense of awareness because we can be someone else's angel if we happen to be at the right place at the right time and do something just for the sake of doing it and helping others without asking anything in return. Yeah, you know, I have a nephew who years ago, it must have been 15 or more years ago, pulled someone out of the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Brooklyn, you know, one of the beaches there. And Mm -hmm. he pulled in this person who was drowning. And then, you know, people gathered around immediately and, you know, helped the person. I don't know if the person needed CPR or not. My Mm -hmm. nephew just walked away really, really quickly. Right, right. Somebody might say, oh, that was an angel because I turned around to thank him. He was gone. But really, he just skedaddled. He on purpose. Right. He just got out of there fast after he pulled the person in. No, it's true. And in what is interesting about it is that it takes a team. He done his job. Somebody else probably was an expert with uh, CPR and all that kind of stuff took over. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and my nephew didn't want to be thanked. Right. So yeah. he just yeah. quickly did his good deed and got out of there. Um, but if that's the explanation for some of the stories in our book, then great, more power mm-hmm. to us because that means that there are really nice people who do good things for people and don't wait around to be thanked. So true, so true. So what was the favorite part in putting the book together besides being having the opportunity to read all the wonderful stories? I think it was just it was really fun to see all the amazing good things that happened to people. And Mm -hmm. then it was 
it's always fun to choose the stories. And as I'm doing them, I start coming up with chapter ideas because I don't take that lightly, the responsibility Mm -hmm. of creating the chapters in the book. And so it's, it's really fun to come up with the chapters and sort the stories and put them in the right order. And I'm basically, I mean, this is what my job is as editor in chief. It's not just editing within the stories, but it's creating an overall story arc for the Mm -hmm. book and keeping things interesting. And there's a rhythm to how the stories are laid out and how the chapters are laid out. Very, very interesting. So were there challenges as well? No, not really. I mean, the challenge is just feeling bad when I can't take everybody's story. That's really the biggest Mm -hmm. challenge is feeling sad for people whose story didn't make it. And then I just say, please keep submitting because maybe that story will make it into the next book that we do about angels, even if it didn't make it into this one. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. One of the things that I learned in reading the various stories, like we talked about, is the idea of we're not talking about uh, angelic being coming down and helping us and whatnot. And having said that, that doesn't mean that that doesn't exist. But what it does, does is uh, what the book did to me was it sort of reinforces, hey, you uh, if you pay attention, then countless times where you can kind of just pitched in, like what you were talking about uh, in your story just now about your nephew in the sense of being there, just doing that small part, that make a difference to someone else because it creates that ripple effect. Yeah. I think that when you read about all these kindnesses done to people, it opens your eyes to the fact that you can just jump in and help a stranger also that you have permission to do that because you know how sometimes you see somebody who needs help mm-hmm. and then you're thinking, well, should I like, maybe you're in the grocery store and you see an elderly person and, and the elderly person looks like she's having trouble reading the can or reaching something and then you don't know should I offer to help or will she be insulted and I think usually she'll be happy to to accept the help and Mm -hmm. so we need we need to read stories about people being helped by strangers in order to feel more open to the fact that we are invited to do that and our help will be welcomed so true well the challenge of the day for everyone is Try to be an angel to someone else today. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> By the way, let's talk about the book cover. I love it. Who came up with that concept? I, I love the idea of the feathers, and it's just, it's beautiful. It's very calming and very soothing. I know. And at the last minute, I put um, the yellow on the cover. Originally, the title, Angels All Around, was in white. And at mm-hmm. the last minute, I changed to yellow, and I'm really pleased with the yellow. I think it's a beautiful color. And something really strange happened with this book. So when we were designing it, we had this image of this person walking away, and then our graphic designer is really good at taking a normal photo and making it look kind of surreal. And mm-hmm. so he did mm-hmm. that, and we went for more of this, bluish purplish look mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then when the books were run off at the printer something happened that has never happened before and half the books came out more purple and half the books came out more blue so strange oh, wow. I mean, we got we got our boxes from the printer and 
it was half blue and half purple. And I thought, well, <laughs> this is a happy accident because now in the stores, people can choose whether they want the one that's skewing more towards purple or the one that's skewing more towards blue. Right. Because um, we had we had had a hard time deciding which way to go. So now we've got both. Oh, that's funny. That's really cool. I mean, I love the, you know, when you pointed out that yellow is very subtle, but then it's a beautiful touch to it. It's a really nice yellow. And mm-hmm. I actually do agree with you. I think this is perhaps the prettiest cover we have ever published. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's gorgeous. I really do. I, it may be the most beautiful book that Chicken Soup for the Soul has ever put out in 26 years. Well, I know I like this. It's very comforting when you hold it, when you see it, and then you hold it in your hand. It has that energy. To me, that's important because it's just sort of a, it, it goes with the story, I guess. That would be the best way to put it. But you know what's cool is besides the fact that the book, you know, in print, the physical book mm-hmm. is so attractive, we actually have all of this interesting graphic treatment in our ebooks too. So if you read Chicken Soup oh, for the Soul, wow. Angels All Around as an ebook, of course you'll see that cover at the beginning. And then mm-hmm. you'll actually see all the interior art that we do that's so pretty in the way we present the pages. And you get that same beautiful experience even in the ebook. So I'm happy about that, that we're able to give both kinds of readers a really pretty experience. Wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around. 101 Stories of Miracles, Divine Intervention, and Answered Prayers. Amy, let's delve. Let's go into the books. They're fantastic stories and fantastic chapters. So let us start with chapter one. I love this story. And the title of the chapter is actually Miraculous Intervention. And the story that is really wonderful, the title of it is Daddy, Why Did You Push Me? by Jackie Kalman. Blackshirt. Yeah, so Jackie Carmen Blankenship and her family, Mm -hmm. they were at um, a local park they liked to go to to feed the ducks. And the park had a really pretty lake, but there was one problem with the lake. The first six or eight feet of the lake bed um, were covered in these jagged rocks. So it was really dangerous because if you wandered into that lake, your feet would be cut up by these rocks. Or if you fell, your whole body would be cut up and Even very accomplished swimmers couldn't go into this lake. And so Jackie and her husband always told their girls to stay away from the edge of the lake. So one day the girls were getting too close to the edge, and Jackie was getting really stressed about it. And so her husband said, just go and sit with your mother. Her mother was at a picnic table a little way away. So Jackie started walking up this slope towards where her mother was sitting, and then she heard a splash And she turned in horror, and her little daughter had gone into the lake. But by the time Jackie heard the splash and then turned, her husband was already in the lake lifting their daughter out of the lake by one arm. And she wasn't injured. So 
of course, Jackie went running back down, and her daughter was fine. But somehow, when she fell into the lake, she had just, like, flown right over the six or eight feet of jagged rocks, which I don't know how. She was just a tiny little thing. And when she came out, she said to her father, Daddy, why did you push me? And he said, I didn't push you. And she said, but you did. When I was starting to fall, you pushed my back, and I went right over the rocks. And her father said, I didn't push you. But then Jackie's husband said to Jackie, where's the man who helped me pull her out? And Jackie said, there was no man. And her husband asked other people, and they all said, there was no man who helped you pull her out. And her husband said, but I didn't pull her out by myself. I couldn't have. Didn't you see? I was just holding her by one arm, and the man was holding her other arm. Well, there had been no other man, but it had been odd when Jackie thought about it because when she looked at her husband in the lake pulling their daughter out, he was hoisting her with one arm, which you wouldn't do. You would put out Mm -hmm, both mm -hmm. arms and try to pull her toward you. You know, you don't lift somebody by one arm. It's very strange. So it was like there was an invisible person on the other side. So there was a lady watching, and she confirmed that nobody had pushed the daughter in, you know, to clear the rocks, Mm -hmm. and nobody had helped the husband lift the daughter out. Nobody had seen anything. And then the woman said, but here, I have a blanket for you because your daughter must be cold because she's wet. And then she handed them the exact same baby blanket that was her daughter's favorite from when she was, you know, a baby and a toddler, Mm -hmm. which was just icing on the cake as far as what happened that day. So that's (laughs) why I started the the book with that, because I thought there were a lot of very interesting things that happened in that story. It's just a beautiful story. Again, it's one of those things where if you pay attention or during those moments, those critical moments, pivotal moments, somehow something happens and it's very, very interesting. Do you, what can you say? It's just, there's some sort of unseen miraculous thing that's happening that helps you to go through. Uh, It's just amazing. The second story in that chapter under miraculous intervention, Lucy's angel. This is another beautiful story by Ginger Huff Conahan. Yeah. So Jenny Conahan um, says that, there was this five-year-old girl named Lucy, and um, actually Jenny's teenage daughter was trying to get this little girl Lucy to come out and practice learning, and Jenny was a remedial reading teacher who worked with Lucy every day to try to help her get better at reading, and her daughter would come once a week and encourage her. But Lucy's eyes were very cross-eyed, and so it was really hard for her to read or even to play with toys or anything in the classroom. And so the problem was that Lucy's family didn't have the money to pay for the surgery for her crossed eyes. And you can have surgery for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, really works. And so, um, so Jenny said, boy, if I had the money, I would give her the money myself to do it. Well, Every Friday night, Jenny and her husband went out to this um, country western saloon, and they would go, you know, dancing. And the saloon on Fridays had a drawing, um, so you would go there, and they would have a random drawing. And every week they added a hundred dollars to the pot, and 
one night when Ginny and her husband went, the pot was up to $2,500. So they were handed a raffle ticket. And then later that evening, the DJ selected four numbers, and Ginny's was one of them out of the 500 people who were there at the saloon that night. So then, and this gets really amazing, she got picked, but then she and the three other people had to go up on stage. And then there were 99 keys in a basket. You had to pick from the 99 keys in the basket. You got to pick one. And if you picked the one that opened this treasure chest, then you would get the $2,500. So Ginny was looking at these keys, and she says she swears that one of them just seemed to be a little shinier than the rest and <laughs> seemed to be saying to her, pick me, pick me. And she said it was like there was an angel guiding her hand to select that key. So she picked it. It opened the treasure chest. So she was picked from 500 people, and then she picked a key from 99 keys. And so she got the $2,500. She gave it to Lucy's father to give Lucy the operation for her crossed eyes. And she got the operation. And so she's still in touch with Lucy years later. And Lucy is now Mm -hmm. a mom with two daughters of her own. And um, it was just an amazing thing that happened that allowed Ginny to help this little student of hers who she cared so much about. It's just a beautiful story. And this comes again to what we talk about in terms of being there and being an angel to someone else. And, there's nothing else that you can say about it. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful story. I'm going to answer this, though. Chapter 2, Touched by an Angel. What's your favorite story before I reveal mine? Well, I like the story by um, Jeff Hill, mm-hmm. um, which is the story, well, it's, it was about this man who intervened. I mean, I could tell you the story. But anyway, that's my favorite story, story 11. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So in this in this story, Jeff Hill was looking for a job, and he was competing against hundreds of applicants for this job that he wanted at a local school. And so he was thrilled when he got an interview with the principal. But when he got there, the principal's office was empty, and he thought, oh, am I here on the wrong day, or do I not really have the interview? He thought he was going to get there and find, you know, all these applicants lined mm-hmm. up one at a time going in for an interview. But there was a school custodian there, you know, wearing the uniform with the school logo on it, and um, it said Bill. His name was Bill. And he assured Jeff that the principal was definitely going to come back and interview him. And he also disclosed that the principal hadn't scheduled any other interviews because he really liked Jeff's application and really was hoping that Jeff would work out and he could just hire him. Mm -hmm. And so he showed Jeff where to sit, you know, wished him luck. And then the principal finally arrived and he apologized for being late. And he did hire Jeff. And then Jeff said, oh, I'd like to thank that custodian, Bill, who helped me. And the principal said there was no custodian who met that description. And also the principal had told Jeff that Jeff was the only one he was interviewing, but the principal said, I never told anybody you were going to be the only one I was interviewing. So I couldn't have told a custodian that anyway, because I never said anything out loud. All I did was in my prayers, Mm -hmm. voice my hope that you would be the right person for the job because you were the only one I was interviewing, but I never said it out loud. 
so Jeff and the principal didn't even know what to say to each other after that. So they just <laughs> never spoke of it again because it was just <laughs> so weird and eerie. And anyway, Jeff stayed in that job for 31 years. So it worked out great. Wow. That's true. Love that story, though. I mean, I'm so glad you picked that story. It's just wonderful. The story that I really like also in the same chapter, Touched by an Angel, is Pennsylvania Turnpike by Anita Stone. That's a really cool story. As a matter of fact, that's the story right after. It's so strange, this story, because Anita Stone and her husband, Joe, they were taking their new baby to a family gathering where, you know, everybody was going to meet the Mm -hmm. new baby. And then they got stuck in a terrible snowstorm on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And there were cars and trucks like all over the place. There were accidents and people stuck. And, you know, the road, you know how it's what it's like after a snowstorm. Like the road was just littered with cars and trucks. And so Joe managed to find a way off the highway. And so they exited. And then they found this bar at the exit and they stopped in there to ask if there was any place where they could spend the night because they clearly weren't going to be able to keep driving. And there was a man named David who was seated at the bar, and he said, oh, you can stay with me and my wife. I have this little cabin up the road. And so they went up there, and, you know, the husband and wife took care of them, and then they slept there. And then they also felt like there was a little baby's room there, but it was empty. So they didn't say anything because they thought, well, maybe this is a sore subject. Um and the next day, they couldn't find David. There was nobody there. They woke up to an empty house, but they found this hot breakfast waiting for them. And they, the, their host never returned. So Anita and Joe were just in this cabin alone waiting for the storm to end. Finally, after they had been in the cabin for 24 hours, and it was finally abating the storm, and so they left. And they drove back to the bar where they had met David because they wanted to learn more about their hosts and also find out how can we thank them. And the bartender said, that cabin you stayed in hasn't been occupied for three years. The man who lived there, who was named David, died with his family in an accident on the Pennsylvania Turnpike three years ago. So that was just really spooky. Spooky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, nobody else saw this man David at the bar except for Anita and her husband who stayed in this cabin that had been empty for three years because the family had died in an accident on the Pennsylvania yeah. Turnpike where Anita and Joe had been exiting. So, um, yeah, that was that was a really strange one. I love this chapter, Touched by Angel, and this is a classic example. One, you have a real physical person you can be an angel to someone. And of course, this story that we just covered is the fact that you just experience an angelic intervention. And that's what it seems like. I'm just, you know what? I'm just reporting the news. <laughs> we're, just, we're just letting people read these stories and come to their own conclusions. So true. Chapter three, comfort from beyond. Love this. Snow Angels by Wendy Offer. Yeah, this is incredible. So so Wendy and her husband Brian had always loved to make snow angels. It was just a tradition they had during their whole marriage, which was 39 years. They always made snow angels. 
they would always find a place in the fresh snow, lie down, make their snow angels right next to each other. But after Brian died, Wendy gave up making snow angels because she didn't want to do it by herself. And then early one winter morning after it had just snowed, she went out for a walk and she went to visit this memorial bench that she had purchased to honor Brian, um, which was on a local trail. And as she approached the bench, she saw something that was completely astounding. So the snow all around the bench was completely unbroken, no footsteps visible anywhere, but somehow right next to the bench, there were two snow angels, just like the ones that she used to make with her husband. And Wendy says, I can't explain how the snow angels appeared or why the angels were so close to Brian's bench, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is that it brought me comfort because it made her feel closer to her husband and maybe even that he sent the snow angels to her. And so she now plans to resume making snow angels in the winter because now she feels like, okay, I can start doing this again for myself and for my late husband, Brian. So I thought that was a really great story. Um, And I love this whole chapter about comfort from beyond because it's something that people really need. They need to feel like there's some kind of continuing connection. And if we can show them stories that where people Mm -hmm. report on these amazing connections, it really makes people feel that, you know, that this person is not just totally gone. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's, it's really a nice comfort. Do you have another story in that chapter that you really like? Well, there's this cool one that's based on license plates. And I I just thought that this was another one of these really amazing coincidences that's hard to explain. And so um, this story is by Christy Allen. And her 56-year-old father was sick. They don't even know what, what he was sick with, but they finally had to make a decision to end their dad's life support. And so Christy was driving her brother Bill that morning, and they were two exits away from the hospital when a car began tailing them. And it was really being rude, like it was really close to their bumper. (laughs) And they tried to slow down and let that car pass, but then that car drove right in front of them and slowed down as if the driver were being one of those nasty guys, you know, who, pulls in front of you and then slows down to teach you a lesson. And so it seemed like a weird, rude thing to do. But then they looked at the license plate on the car in front of them. And the license plate was C space U space N space H-E-V-N. C-U-N heaven was what, you know, if you sounded phonetically, it was C-U-N heaven. And so as soon as they saw the license plate, the car sped away and disappeared. And their their father was a firm believer in signs. And so Christy and her brother decided that that was his way of saying goodbye to them and that they should end his life support and that it was the right thing to do. And so they went ahead and did it because they felt more confident that they were making the right choice. And then, On the 10-year anniversary of their father's death, 
Christy was heading home, and she took a back way to get to her house, um, you know, maybe not her normal mm-hmm. way. And she was at mm-hmm. this four-way stop sign, and the car to her left was turning and had the right of way. And so she, you know, waited for that car to go. And the car turned right in front of her really, really slowly, like super slowly, so that she could read the license plate. And it was the same license plate, the CU and Heaven license plate. And it was exactly the 10 year anniversary of the day they lost their father. And so, and she never saw the license plate again, just on the day her mm-hmm. father died and then on the 10 year anniversary. And so, Christy says, My heart knows this was a message from our dad, um, you know, saying, I'm okay, you know, and once again, you did the right thing. And so that, that's what that story was all about. So pretty amazing. It's amazing when you talk about those kind of, if you're aware of just surroundings, you start picking up all these messages all around you to validate what you're thinking. And these two stories speak so loud about what this is all about. Chapter four, Angels in Disguise, is a wonderful chapter as well. And the story that I really like is The Angels on the Train by Ryan Freeman. And by the way, if I have not mentioned this, I got to mention this, there are more and more guys contributing to Chicken Soup, so I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Yeah, we do have a lot of men who write for us also. The majority of our writers are still women, but we are very excited that more and more men are doing this same kind of unselfish sharing of these, you know, really personal revealing stories. Yeah. And in the case of Ryan Freeman, this is a very personal and revealing story because he's talking mm-hmm. about how he had just gotten out of jail. He had done something stupid. He never, he never says what, but he was in for 20 days, so I don't know what it was, probably something <laughs> fairly minor, but still he was in jail for 20 days. And so um, he was on work release, like his 20-day sentence, he still got to go to work each day. And so he was on the train and he he just wanted to know that he could do something good he he had lost custody of his children he wanted to get his children back he wanted to prove that he could be a good person and that he could give back and so he was on this train and he saw this um elderly man and he realized that the elderly man was blind and so he realized that the man got off and needed some help at a stop. But if Ryan got off the train to help him, Ryan was going to be late to his job and get in trouble. And so he had to decide, I'm the only person who sees that this man needs help. Do I get off the train and imperil, you know, my good behavior and Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm Mm -hmm. complying with all the rules during my (laughs) 20 day sentence with the work release. And so, this woman on the train saw him trying to figure out what to do and made eye contact and gave him a little smile. And he realized, okay, I'm going to go help the guy. And he gets off the train. He helps the blind man. And then the train conductor had seen everything unfolding and he actually stopped the train and came to help. And so he ended, Ryan ended up getting back on the same train and not being late to work. So he got to do his good deed and he got to still make it to work on time. 
And he wouldn't have done the good deed if this woman hadn't nodded him and smiled and given him her okay, and he wouldn't have made it back on the train if the conductor hadn't helped out. And so Mm -hmm. he felt like these were real angels on the train who somehow knew what he needed in order to do this good thing. And it was life-changing for him to, for once, because he describes himself as being very selfish, for once he put someone else's needs ahead of his own. He took the risk of messing up his perfect record of getting to work on time <laughs> and did the good thing. So so that's why it was so meaningful to him. I love it. I think it's one of those things where you have when a group of people collectively work in concert to do something good for somebody else. It's just plain and yeah, simple. Exactly. It's just beautiful. So beautiful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels All Around, 101 Stories of Miracles, Divine Intervention, and Answered Prayers. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Chapter 5 is of another interesting chapter, Guardians and Protectors. This is really, really cool. Jadine's Guardian Angel by Yvonne Hall. So this is a case where an angel physically, there was actually a physical angel. So <laughs> I, this wasn't anything mystical. This is more in the category of, wow, this was incredibly lucky. So what happened mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. Yvonne was babysitting for her grandkids and the little one was upstairs supposedly taking a nap and all of a sudden they heard this giant crash and then they heard the little granddaughter screaming and they ran upstairs and found that the little granddaughter had pulled out the drawers from a a tall chest and unfortunately this tall chest hadn't been secured to the wall with a hook and eye or something which Mm -hmm. you know is actually Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do with you have a tall chest in a toddler's room and so she pulled out the drawers, tried, tried to use, you know, the the slats as a ladder to climb mm-hmm. up because there was an angel figurine on top of the chest that this little girl was trying to get to. So instead, of course, it all it tipped over right on top of her. But the angel figurine, which looked totally breakable, you know, it was one of those like little right. ceramic things, you know, it looks very mm-hmm. fragile, has the tall chest came forward with the little girl now basically under it, the angel <laughs> figurine, instead of flying across the room, somehow fell right under the chest, landed on its feet, and then the chest came down and, you know, it was mostly open space, but somehow the angel figurine hit one of those wood slats going across, you know, between the drawers. Right, and, right. And propped up this tall chest just enough so that the little girl who was pinned under it wasn't actually hurt and could then slither out and start screaming. And it was just the most incredible piece of luck that that figurine didn't break, landed under Mm -hmm. the chest instead of being thrown across the room. And then when it landed on its feet under the chest, managed to catch on a piece of wood, because, you know, if you pull all the drawers out of a chest, there's mostly those voids there. Right. So it could have easily fallen. I mean, you're really lucky if you catch a piece of wood when it falls. And so that's what her miracle was, that this, all of this happened and her little granddaughter wasn't hurt. 
and you know that you can be killed by one of those chests falling on you if you're a little kid. Right, definitely. This is one of those stories that's just totally amazing. And for me, I would have gone out and buy a lottery ticket. You never know. <laughs> I mean, true. <laughs> I think she. I think that was the day that that family won the lottery. That was it for them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So true. Chapter six: Answered prayers. The day I met an angel, and this is a wonderful story as well. Jackie Elliot. Yeah, so Jackie was a single mother. She had three kids, and she was living through the recession back in 1978. And so her problem was that the school, the new school year was starting, and they, they really needed clothes uh, because they just didn't have enough clothes, and the kids were growing. And so they had no money to buy clothes. And then all of a sudden, one of the boys told her, Mom, there's somebody outside who wants to talk to you. And Jackie went outside, and there was this brand-new white Cadillac parked on the street, and there was this beautiful 20-something woman standing there, and she had some boxes of clothing with her. And she explained that her son had recently outgrown these clothes, and she was driving around with them in her car looking for a place to donate them And then she saw Jackie's children playing in the front yard and realized, oh, they're the right size for these clothes. And so she had two big boxes of clothes, and she just dropped them off. And then before Jackie could even say thank you or what is your name or anything, the woman disappeared. Well, they started looking through the boxes, and the clothes honestly looked brand new. There were no holes. There were no stains. I mean, how often do five-year-old boys Mm -hmm. wear clothes and leave them looking like new? They looked absolutely new. They even found coats, and the coats fit them perfectly, and one even fit her daughter perfectly. And so, and then her daughter put her hand in the coat pocket, and inside were three silver dollars. Now, who has silver dollars inside a coat <laughs> pocket, a little kid's coat pocket? So Jackie says, I will never know who this woman was or why she had two boxes of clothes that appeared to be brand new and were perfect for my children. She may have just been a very kind and generous woman, but I will always believe she was an angel. So that was that story. It's a beautiful story. And here again is what I believe in. We can certainly contribute to someone else being their angel for them. To us, maybe nothing because it's an act of kindness, but to others, we are that angel that they've been looking for to help them going through certain things in life. So that's important. And the other thing also, obviously, is this lady must have kind of paid attention to what the situation is because she's able to get the exact things that the Jackie needs for her family. I know. It really was incredible. Yeah. It really was. When somebody's going through one of those rough periods economically mm-hmm. to have somebody come along like that and provide all the clothes they need for the new school year. Mm-hmm, That's a mm-hmm. big deal. Amazing. So chapter seven, what's your favorite story in chapter seven? Well, chapter seven is called divine messengers because sometimes people just are told something that they really need to hear. Mm-hmm. And in this case, It was this woman, Francine Billingsley, and her story is called um, Go and Get It. 
And in this story, Francine had two things left on her to-do list. Um, she had just been on a two-week vacation. So the two things left were one was paint a wall in the family room, and the second was go for my routine mammogram. And she had one mm-hmm. scheduled, and she just kept, like, calling up and rescheduling it. And so she was in the kitchen one morning, um, and she told her mom, I'm not going to the mammogram. And then she heard this voice telling her to go, and she said to her mom, why are you telling me to go? And her mom said, I didn't say anything. Well, then <laughs> Francine had heard this voice saying, go to your mammogram. So Francine had no idea why she heard that voice, and her mom said it wasn't her. And so Francine went out, and she decided, I'm going to paint the wall. I'm not going for my mammogram. I'm going to delay my mammogram again. So she went to this gift shop right next to the paint store while she was out, and she was looking at this angel figurine that was really pretty. It was pink. And this stranger all of a sudden appeared beside her and said, that's a breast cancer angel. And then the, and then this woman who, you know, Francine had never spoken to before said, honey, get the angel and your mammogram. You'll be fine. So Francine thought, how does this woman know that I'm supposed to have a mammogram today? Like, how did she know I was thinking about whether to go for my mammogram or not? And then also she realized, wait, that woman's voice sounded exactly like the voice I heard in the kitchen this morning. So Francine thought, all right, I'm not going to paint the wall. I'm going to go do the mammogram because this is just too weird. So she went to the mammogram, and even though it was just the routine mammogram, she had no reason to suspect she had breast cancer. She did have breast cancer. So she went through treatment, and it was really tough. But as she was going through the treatment, she kept remembering that the woman also had said, you'll be fine. So that mm-hmm. gave her the confidence as she was going through it, that no matter how bad it was, she would be cured. And sure enough, she's been cancer-free now for nine years. And she says, had I not heard that voice or met that woman, I probably wouldn't have gotten my mammogram in time. It's truly amazing. <laughs> A beautiful, beautiful story. I love it. I read that story too, and I thought it was kind of a, again, coming back to what we talked about, pay attention. The answers are all around you if you increase your self-awareness about things and follow your intuition afterwards. That leads me to... And you know, there was another one, there was Mm -hmm. another one in that Divine Messengers chapter about, um, you know, a stranger saying just the right words to somebody. It was um, a story called The Unexpected Messenger by Dale Allen Shockley. And Dale was having a fight with her husband one day, and she had had a lot of fights with him recently. And this is an example of how our writers are just so unselfish in sharing their stories because she (laughs) needed to tell us that in order for this story to work. So she decided to go out because they were having, you know, yet another fight. And so – she went out and she decided to go to this duck pond um, that was, you know, many miles away, but she really liked it. So she went to the duck pond and this parade of ducks marched right up to her because they were looking for bread. And so mm-hmm. she gave them some bread and, you know, they were annoying kind of because they were following her around. <laughs> and then this um, tall and lean man, like really good posture, but very healthy elderly man. Uh, pulls up, emerges from an ancient Cadillac. It's a Cadillac again. I don't know why. We've had a couple of stories now with Cadillacs. And um, and so he started flinging 
spread to the ducks. And so um, Dale thought, well, I have to make conversations. So she said, oh, do you come here often? And he came over and talked to her. And, uh, you know, they were just chatting about the weather or whatever strangers talk about. And then mm-hmm. the ducks were, like, gathered at their feet, quacking so loudly. It was really annoying. And and Dale wanted to jump up and down and yell, like, shh, to the ducks. But the old man was smiling. And then he sprang to his feet and he said, I got a split. And then he pointed his finger at the, at the noisy ducks and said, you know, them crazy ducks just don't know when to hush. And then <laughs> he walked off. Now, here's the thing. Dale had been thinking prior to that man appearing there that one of her problems in her marriage was that she never knew when to keep her mouth shut. She always just talked, 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 talked. <laughs> she always wanted to have the last word, you know, at any cost. And it led to a lot of these arguments with her husband. And she had actually prayed before the old man got there She had prayed a prayer asking God to let her see her real self and understand what am I doing wrong in my Mm -hmm. marriage. And when the man said that about the ducks, she realized that's it. I am being like the ducks. I I knew (laughs) I had a problem speaking, but this is the problem. I have to learn how to be quiet. And so she went home and, you know, her husband was already fine, you know, because it was just a little argument. And um, and she told him that she was fine, but she had gone out and gotten some great pointers on how to keep their marriage happy. So that was another cool way that she got a message, a message that she really needed from a stranger. <laughs> Only you could tell that story, though. I can't choose that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chapter 8, Miracles Happen. The Invincible Lifesaver by Carolyn James. So in this case, um, they were driving on this mountain pass, and um, their right wheel fell off, their right front wheel. Because you can imagine, they're on this highway, you know, on this mountain. The wheel flies off into the air and, like, bounces off the road into some canyon or something on the right side of this road and so you know now they're driving on like the axle I guess and the sparks are flying and how in the world are they going to like how are they going to stop and there's this Mm -hmm. dangerous sharp curve ahead of them on this mountain road and they start praying and then something really weird happened Um, the car just seemed to move in slow motion and the car just got lifted up in the air and then sat down on the side of the road in this parking space that was so small that it was exactly the length of their car and all of a sudden they were stopped and they were there and then the next thing they did after they got over the shock of that was they prayed that the wheel was somewhere where her husband could find it. So her husband climbed down this steep slope off the side of this highway, and he walked about 30 yards just randomly, and there was this giant boulder, and there was their wheel right behind the boulder, but he walked right to it. And luckily, her husband was an auto mechanic, so he knew how to put the wheel 
back on, he took one lug nut off each of their remaining three wheels and used, you know, those three lug nuts to secure their wheel. So now all their all their tires, all their wheels had, you know, three lug nuts instead mm-hmm, of four. Mm-hmm. And they drove off like that. So that was a really cool miracle that was really impossible to explain. No kidding. I mean, and the thought of just having three luck nuts all the way around is like, okay, do I want to drive anymore? That's crazy. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, well, at least to get off that mountain. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing. Chapter 9, Divine Coincidence. This is really cool. Perfect Timing by Janet Rich. So um, Janet Rich, and I I happen to know she goes by JR, so I'll call her JR. Um, Mm -hmm. When she was 27, she moved to New York City from Georgia to pursue acting. Um, Although really she moved there because she had just broken up with somebody and she was just so heartbroken she wanted to get far away. And then when she moved to New York, she never went to any auditions. She actually was just waiting on tables and then she dated another inappropriate man and she went through a lot of highs and lows she just she was just basically depressed she didn't even have enough self-esteem to go to auditions and anyway so she was having a really rough time and then one day when she was just incredibly depressed she went outside she went to this neighborhood diner and it was raining, and she went, to, she went to the diner, had a grilled cheese sandwich, and then as she was leaving, she saw this tall man standing outside under the awning, and he was waiting for the rain to let up. And she said to him, oh, if you're not going very far, I could share my umbrella with you. And he said that would be great. And so she walked him a few blocks away to his office, and turned out he was a psychotherapist, and he specialized in – treating patients who came from dysfunctional families, which she very much did. And so he said that he would give her a free consultation because she had been so nice to walk him home with her umbrella. Mm -hmm. And then if she liked the session, they could discuss how much it would cost because she said, I really don't have any money. And so she ended up liking the first session. And then he said he would only charge her $40 a session when his real rate was more like $160 a session. And so Mm -hmm. she started going to see him. And through that therapy, she kind of broke out of her depression and she ended up getting a job in the music business. And that relaunched her life. And over the next two decades, she worked her way up to senior vice president of publicity for Capitol Records. She became a really you know, important executive in the music industry. And it was really because of sharing her umbrella with a stranger. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we just need that little push over and sort of everything else just sets the whole future up. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. That is true. I mean, that's why I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> Divine Coincidence has another wonderful story as well. Hidden Messages by Sergio Del Bianco. So Sergio's father died, and Sergio and his wife and his mom were looking for 
cash because Sergio's father hadn't liked banks and they were pretty sure he had stashed a big amount of cash somewhere. So they were prepping the house to sell it and they searched and searched and searched for months and they couldn't find the cash and they were worried about selling the house without having found the cash. And in the meantime, Sergio's father also had built a lot of boats. And so they wanted to sell the boats. And they knew these people who, who owned a hotel on a lake who were interested in buying the boats for their hotel. So they put one of the boats on the roof of Sergio's father's van, and they went over to the hotel, which was run by friends of theirs. And they parked the van with the boat on it, you know, right by the hotel, mm -hmm. like, restaurant, outdoor terrace, you know, which is a roof terrace. And, um, and they also had thrown a bunch of old life vests into the boat just to sweeten the deal. So they were eating and drinking with their friends, and all of a sudden they heard this huge booming noise. <laughs> and then they heard a man screaming. And it turned out this man had, and this is a cautionary tale for those of you who take Instagram photos, this man had been <laughs> taking a photo of his wife standing on the terrace of their hotel room, and she had backed up too much and had gone right over the edge and had landed inside the boat on top of the van. But luckily, because they had thrown the life vests in there, she landed on the life vest. Well, she still seemed to be possibly hurt. So they called an ambulance, and she went to the hospital. And it turned out she was fine because the life vest had saved her. But if that boat hadn't been there with the life vest in it, she would have fallen all the way to the ground and probably been killed. Mm -hmm. Or if she'd fallen into the boat but without the life vest, she might have been killed. Anyway, so it turned out she was fine. Everybody was shook up, though. They drove home, and the impact of her falling onto the boat had damaged the roof of the van. And so on their way home, Sergio's wife put her hand up inside this crack in the ceiling of the van, and she found a huge wad of cash plus a diary. And Sergio's father had always <laughs> been really quiet and circumspect and never expressed his emotions. Well, the diary was filled with all of his journaling about how much he loved his wife and his family. So they got this diary, which they had never expected, which made them feel so close to Sergio's father. Plus, there was enough cash there for Sergio's mother to live out the rest of her life in comfort. It's just a funny story, and it sounds like one of those mafia kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. He just didn't trust banks. This was uh, an old timer who had been in World War yeah. II, mm -hmm. and um, and that was his opinion. And they lived in Europe besides. <laughs> it's beautiful. So chapter 10, what's your favorite story in there to close the book up? So I love this story called The Weather Vane. It's by Deborah mm -hmm. Zemke. And Deborah lost her husband, and she was looking and looking and looking for a house to buy with the life insurance money, and she just couldn't find the right house. But there was this development going up where she could pick out, you know, like the, the floor plan for a house that she wanted, and then they would build it for her. But she just didn't know if it was the right thing to do. Her husband had actually been in construction, and he would have known the right thing to do. And so she was vacillating and and just saying, oh, I, I need to know what to do. So while she was trying to figure out what to do, she decided to clean out the garage. 
and um, the house that she was thinking about building was going to go on a street in the development called Weathervane Drive. So she's cleaning out the garage, and her husband used to love to buy, like, antiques and stuff at tag sales and auctions. And in the back of the garage, behind some boxes, she finds this beautiful antique weather vane that her husband must have bought for a house they might have one day. And so that was her sign, that she should go ahead and build the house on Weather Vane Drive. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's just it was, beautiful. She didn't know it. She didn't know he had bought the weather vane, but he clearly bought it for them to have on a house right. one day. Right. Beautiful. What can we expect from Chicken Soup this fall? We have some really great books coming out this fall. The next book after the Angels All Around book is called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, Live Happy. Uh, it's a book I put together with Deborah Norville, who's the anchor mm-hmm. of Inside Edition. She's done a lot of research into positive thinking and gratitude and all these ways that we could use our minds to make our lives happier. And so that book's coming out in late September. And then in October, we have a wonderful book coming out filled with Christmas stories. And then in early November, I'm very excited about Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Forgiveness Fix, which is filled with all these stories about Mm. people using the power of forgiveness to change their lives. Beautiful. That's wonderful. As we close the show, what recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I guess I would take some lessons from this Angels All Around book and say that your your recipe for living should include the following ingredients. You should have your eyes open all the time and be willing to have these miracles occur to you because sometimes If you're not open to them, they're just going to pass right by you. You're not going to engage with that stranger or cross the street to pick up that piece of litter that then ends up turning into a miracle in your life, whatever it is. (laughs) You have to be really open and receptive to everything and also be willing to take advice from a stranger because we have so many stories from people who are just one phrase or one key sentence from a stranger and it changed everything in their lives. So that's what I took from this book as wonderful ingredients for um, my recipe for life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, September 3rd. My guest will be Dr. Winfried Sethoff. He is a family physician specializing in mental health and is currently working in Brisbane, Australia. Dr. Winfield is also the author of three books that lay foundations for better relationships, communities, and ultimately a better world. Dr. Winfrey and I will be having a conversation about his life's journey, passion for helping others to discover their true potential, and his latest book, The Friendship Key. The book reveals how friendship can empower us to lasting peace, united communities, stronger relationships, equality, and a better job. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye.